Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is happening I've over there? I've just been seeing cats like bouncing around and rolling around. <laughs> just how? That. That's dangerous for your health. <laughs> Hey man, how is that fucking chair working out for you? <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually pretty comfy until uh, what happened was until it tries to. What happened was you. I was trying to move my curtain closer to me, but because the curtain mm. is on wheels, it just started slipping further and further away from me. And I was like, "Okay, engage the core." And then I was like, "I have no core." <laughs> <laughs> fucking relatable. Previously on Bad Heroes. The Erdernethal. It is a talisman that allows druids increased strength, especially in the arena of helping things grow. To use it at all, you must be so powerful, Todmir. Much more powerful than I. More powerful than you. That's a tall order, friend. Gideon, we were told Vyre came to our rescue, so we wouldn't rebel, so we wouldn't fight to take back our home. We couldn't take it back if we even wanted to. Look at Vire. Look at what we've become a part of. I read your home was conquered, Gideon. That it fell without a fight. Now that I've met a Greyfrost, I can see why. Don't you ever get tired of hearing your own voice? Lena, you don't have to prove anything. You don't have to be better than anyone. Shut up, Pax. When push comes to shove, you are just as much of an animal as I am. Give it a minute. You'll agree. Give it a minute? What do you mean, give it a minute? Clouds part in the sky to show the full moon. You look up at Pax, and they have been hit by a very small knife. The sun and the moon, get away from me. The sun and the moon. Pax, 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 you don't want to do this. This isn't you. Tonrir, Pax lunges at you through the darkness, through the rain, and they bite you. You have been bitten by a werewolf. Roll a fortitude saving throw. What is with these fucking threes? Oof. Even before you shift, you feel something new behind your eyes. It's the curse. You feel an incredible amount of pain as you simply force it. You crawl out of this pit. You stand huge over Gideon and Riva. Lena tries to step backwards and she trips. She is sitting on the ground looking up at you in horror. As Ira approaches and lifts the hoop, any last things you guys would like to say or do? Get dunked on. And we're done. <laughs> Lena goes through the hoop. Da, 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 da. And only two of us are werewolves. Lena is through the hoop and safe, well, maybe not safe, in Saphira's clutches. And the rest of the pack is stuck inside Ning's barrier trying to calm down. Pax has come back to themselves and you have saved the day, except for one problem. You now have a brand new, freshly turned, druidically powered werewolf, free to roam with absolutely no practice controlling this curse. Coolness. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> you were lucky with those hot, hot rolls last episode, but now you are all out of willpower. You are now a completely out of control werewolf. Should I come back in like 10 minutes and just see what's happened whilst <laughs> you all figure out 
the life of me. That's pretty accurate to to the experience because you're not going to remember very much of this. Oh, good. You other three, how do you want to fix this situation? <laughs> nice puppy. Oh, I, don't, no. I don't know why it's our problem and Ira just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, wow. I think we've had a personality swap. <laughs> so Gideon says, I don't know why this is our problem. <laughs> In this beautiful switcheroo, Ira's like, I don't see why this is our problem. And Gideon's like, we have to protect everyone. <laughs> we have to save them. Think of the children. <laughs> I have prepared a poem to perfectly express my feelings about the situation. It's a haiku. <laughs> a soliloquy. Prose. <laughs> a rap. <laughs> a sonnet. <laughs> We're not going to do a whole fight because we have fought werewolves a lot. More like broad strokes of how this gets handled. Guess who has the best handle animal role? The one that is not available Conrad. to us. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, handle yourself. <laughs> Figure out your life. <laughs> Where's Rulthuin? Rulthuin is flying around. Rulthuin accompanied you all to the pit. Wait, he did? And, and then, to be honest, we forgot about <laughs> Rulthuin. Yeah, he did. <laughs> ah, okay, cool. Coolness. <laughs> Rothwin just saw you turn into a werewolf. <clears throat> you all don't see Rothwin. Oh no. Okay. That's probably smart for Rothwin. Yeah. I guess we'll deal with that later. So in terms of broad strokes, Riva's instinct is to try to lead Tonrir on a chase back to the bubble. And then I'm picturing like, you know, Ning's in the bubble dealing with the situation. And then you hear like a thunk and it's like <laughs> Reva's just tapping on the outside frantically. <laughs> let me in, let me in, let me in. A bunch, a bunch of angry wolves are like, let me out, let me out, let me out. And you're like, let me in, let me in, let me in. Is that, is that how you guys want to deal with this? It's better than my idea. <laughs> what was your idea? It's no idea. Oh, okay. Anyone who wants to help. I'm going to have you guys do one single relevant role to see more or less how well it does. Pax can help one person with their role if you can find a way to involve them in your move by letting you roll twice. So Reva's idea is to draw aggro from Tonrir and then run back to the bubble and hope that mom can help. <laughs> so you know, we all have time to really talk about the plan. You guys should try to talk to each other about the plan. Get some of that good, good role play. Sink your teeth into that, because we're going to be doing that for the next two hours. Get it? Sink your teeth into it. Oh, my God. Don't give Tanya any ideas. <laughs> so is Pax the only other werewolf with us right now, right? Yes. All the other guardians are in the bubble. And everyone is out of the pit? Pax was in the pit and yeeted Ira out. Pax can get out of the pit. If okay. Tanya could crawl out of the pit, so can Pax. So okay. Pax is extricating themselves from the pit. Yeah, Reva turns to Pax and is like, Pax, can you get us back to camp? <laughs> yes, but it's closed. Reva jumps on Pax's back and... Okay, what is it? It's, <laughs> it's closed like there are regular hours of operation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this camp is only open from nine to five and they actually close on Mondays because that's when they need to take a day off. But the pad thai is phenomenal. I'm talking about a place by our house where I actually now really want pad thai and they are closed on Mondays. 
It's funny because you still had your pack space. So I thought yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> Pax really wants <laughs> Oh, uh, who doesn't want pad thai? Anyway, okay. we have pad thai tonight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we have to now. Yeah. So Pax is like, I mean, yeah, but the bubble is is shut. But that's where the cages are, right? I, there's cages outside too. I, 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 I mean, we can go to the bubble, and I can technically open it uh, from the outside. But I don't. Wait, no, I can't. You can only open it from the inside. I can't, I I know how the bubble that I encounter all the time works. <laughs> I definitely know about that because I live here and I'm the guardian. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay, fine. Just whatever. Take us to the nearest cage. And she like is waving her arms to get Tanra's attention. Okay. Ira is going like this. Head is going from side to side from Riva to Pax as they're talking. And what if Ira got on Tanra's back? Oh boy! What? Oh boy! <laughs> Coolness but is why? <laughs> For those in the wonder, I was stacking dice while they were figuring out their plan. That got said, and I looked up at the camera, blinking with wide eyes. Everyone did that. And, it was great, and probably knocked all the dice over. Yes. Uh, okay, that is a plan. Do you want to articulate that plan, perhaps, to your teammates so they have an opportunity to talk you out of it? I'm going to note right now, Tonra wouldn't feel bad if he had struck down Lena. He's going to feel super bad if he strikes down you. Mm -hmm. Riva looks at Ira kind of like looking around indecisively and is like, Ira, Ira, get, get on here. And is like <laughs> pointing at, at Pax. Okay. <laughs> Ira has a split second of thinking of getting on Tonra and decides against it and pulls up on Pax. <laughs> You look over and you see Tonrir's big reflective yellow eyes and there's a drool that's starting to like drip between his open jaws and the rain is like running over him. Lightning strikes behind him and you have a moment of like, no, maybe I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Bad idea. Okay, so Ira climbs on Pax behind Riva. Gideon, you coming? Pax can't hold all three of us, right? I think you look at Riva and Ira on Pax, who are the smallest members of your party. And yeah, I mean, Pax looks at capacity a bit encumbered, but Pax also doesn't want to be like walk full. <laughs> well, I guess you're on your own. Riva, roll a. What is your move where you draw aggro? Antagonize. It's based on charisma. Okay, do your antagonize move. Okay. Uh, 22 total. Okay. All right. So, Riva, how do you antagonize Tonra? She throws a knife at him. Oh! <laughs> yes! Okay. Like, not hard. Just, you know. Uh, Gideon know approves! It'll be fine. <laughs> I, I know that I said I wasn't going to have you do other rolls, but rolled it. <laughs> 23. Damn. Okay. So, you throw a knife. At Tonner, and what part of Tonner? I don't know, any part of, like, not the face. Just <laughs> Not the beautiful face! <laughs> okay, so you throw a knife, and it sinks into Tonner's werewolf pectoral. <laughs> Was there a change to my HP when I shifted? Yeah, how many hit points did you have? 11. Yeah, no, you're fine. Okay. 
But you do feel that, and I think it makes you super, super angry. And so, yep, you do a very good antagonize. You stab your dear friend, and with a huge roar, he turns his eyes towards you. And you have succeeded in antagonizing Tonra. He will now chase you with the absolute intent to kill you. Cool. And from the distance, you see Gideon just throw up a thumbs up. <laughs> Ira is like, I have made a mistake. <laughs> I have chosen the wrong side. <laughs> she yells at Pax, Pax, cage! <laughs> Reva woke up today and chose violence. <laughs> Gotta say I'm here for it. Ira's hands like tighten on Pax's fur. <laughs> Hold on. And Gideon is just saying And there. Gideon's just going, two thumbs up. Gideon's ready to chill. <laughs> okay, so like I guess Gideon just like Gideon's gonna have a leisurely walk back to camp with no aggro. <laughs> this is extremely funny because I'm picturing Pax and Riva and Ira just like tearing through the forest, and Pax is encumbered by these two people on their back. So Pax is actually like really struggling to keep ahead of Tonrir, and I think Tonrir is getting like slashes and bites at the back of Pax as Pax is trying like scrambling over. And it's this very dramatic, chaotic scene. And then pan to Gideon and it's like, la, la, la. Gideon's taking the time to like straighten her hair back out and like dust off her clothes. And then is like, right, so camp was that way. (laughs) 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 Okay, so this is a very funny juxtaposition of Gideon taking a leisurely stroll. And then Pax just absolutely scrambling to try to keep ahead of Tonmer. Does anyone want to help, Pax? How? <laughs> oh, I see. Any motivating da, 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 songs? Da, 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 da. But that would require releasing that death grip you have on Pax's fur. Yeah. <laughs> I did not prepare a poem. <laughs> you know what the poem is? It's run, boy, run. run. Boy, run. <laughs> <laughs> Pax is not a boy, but it applies. Okay. You could just do run, run, Rudolph. <laughs> I'm going to do inspire competence. Okay. Pax would have to see and hear me. You crawl up Pax's body and make icons. <laughs> I'm just imagining like Pax <laughs> is running and just like darting through the forest. Everything's chaos. And then just upside down Ira head. Yes. <laughs> Ira climbs over Riva and then legs like around Pax's neck. And then just Iris' face just like whoop over here. Like, it would be really funny as like a cartoon. You can just see like Iris' eyes and Pax's view. And Ira whispers, you got this. <laughs> Iris like, you can do anything you want, buddy. And like is stroking her head. <laughs> you got this. Run, boy, run. <laughs> This is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but it's helping, right? <laughs> Eager to get out of this particular situation altogether, Pax doubles their effort to run faster. Yes. <laughs> Pax, is motivated to, Pax is motivated to make this stop. <laughs> okay, so I think Pax is just tearing through the brush as quickly as possible. and. Pax is bigger and more practiced at being a werewolf than Tonmer, and that does give them some advantage, but they also have two people on their back, 
and they are being weighed down by you two. So I lost my D20. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Would you actually roll that? Well, no, because I lost it. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Ira, I know that for Inspire Courage, normally Pax just gets a bonus, but because what we're doing is like broad strokes, just go ahead and roll how good you motivate. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, still bad. It's still bad. Wow. Okay, so Pax is not motivated. And so as Pax is trying to tear through this brush, Tonra does catch up. And I think what happens is Tonra, this giant blue werewolf that looks kind of like silver in the moonlight, sinks his teeth into the back of Pax, sinks his teeth into Pax's like flank, and Pax falls. And as Pax like trips and falls, Riva and Ira, you both tumble off of Pax. Are we anywhere near the cage? You are. You can actually see it in the distance. You can see it several trees ahead. Okay. Okay, yeah. So so like Riva's like rolling through the brush and like catches sight of the cage and then sees that Ira is similarly on the ground and says, Ira, the cage, can you get it open again? I think Ira tumbled off and is on all fours, panting a little bit, and hears Riva scream. Ira lifts his head up and looks around and sees the cage and just runs for it. You manage to run ahead and open that cage. Pax and Tonra are struggling, and they are starting to take blows at each other. Pax has managed to extricate themselves from Tonra's bite, but is now... You can tell Pax is trying not to do too much harm because Tonra has already taken a lot of hits, and you see Pax basically like trying to punch <laughs> Tonra. Pax is definitely taking far more hits and is getting the worst end of this deal. Riva, what do you do? Um, pa- Pan back to Gideon. La, 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 la. <laughs> you walk up to the bubble and it's it's shut. It's sealed. You can't. And she just goes, hmm. And then just starts walking the perimeter. <laughs> <laughs> you see on the other side of the bubble, you see werewolves slamming against the barrier. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, not there. Okay. <laughs> She's just going to try to do anything to get Tonir's attention. So she's going to throw another knife at him. Okay, roll the hit. What's a little stabbing between them? <laughs> <laughs> I rolled even higher than last time. <laughs> That's a 25. Okay, so this second knife sinks into Tonmer and it draws his attention. And he then just like drops to all fours and slips past Pax and charges directly at you. Reva runs into the cage. Okay. With just this huge, terrifying roar, Tonra charges at you. Give me one more roll, and this one's important. Oh, God. Just a straight up and down roll. Add your decks. Oh, my God. 18 plus 5. 23. Okay, that'll do. Tell us how you managed to get out of the cage with Tonra in it. So I think that Tonra lunges into the cage, and Reva just dives under Tonra. <laughs> like Tanra's legs and just baseball slides out of the cage as Tanra goes in. And then once she's out of the cage, she kicks it shut with her foot. Okay, cool. There's a lock on there. There's like one of those huge padlocks again. She's like now on the ground. She like rolled onto her back and is like holding the cage shut with her feet and then looks at Ira, looks at the lock, looks at Ira. (laughs) Ira picks up what what you're throwing down and (laughs) 
was ready to like close the door as soon as you and Tanri were in there because he knows that you can get out. Mm-hmm. But saw that you had kicked the door closed and just immediately went to the padlock and tried to figure out how to close it. Okay, it's easy. You slam that padlock shut. And I think as you slam that padlock shut, a giant paw reaches out through the bars and slashes right next to your face. And you just sort of lean back as the the claws like move right in front of your face. So close you can feel the motion of the air from it coming against your cheek. And now you are outside and Tomer is secure. And Tomer is just like roaring and trying desperately to rip apart the bars to get out to get at you. But... For the moment, you have secured the situation. <laughs> and I think Pax, Pax catches up and claps you both on the shoulder. Ira was going to look around immediately to see where Pax was and then sees him come up. And I think Ira claps him on the shoulder back and just reaches up so far. Hold yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Pax is, Pax is uh, walking like on all fours. Okay. Oh. Reva's very out of breath. She's like, did we do it? Is that, are we done? Did we do it? Reva, I don't think we're ever done. (laughs) (laughs) And then you look over at the barrier nearest to you and you just see, knock, knock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as you have drawn Tonra towards the cage, you've accidentally drawn towards the barrier. You are actually, and you look over and sure enough, you see Gideon (laughs) just tapping on the barrier as as werewolves rage from the inside. (laughs) And you have done it. You have done it. Congratulations to the three of you. Good job, team. We did it. All three of us, we did it. (laughs) You remedied my bad decision. (laughs) For now. For now. (sighs) So, now that you have delivered a werewolf to Sephira, you can technically draw your end of the portal and go home at any time. Of course, if you do it now, you will bring a werewolf into Vesper's garden. I don't think the lion, the dire lion, would like that. Yeah, Vesper's entire manor full of cats is like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) The full moon for werewolf purposes goes on for three days. That's a long time. Why does it do that? (laughs) (laughs) The before, the during, and the after. I'm not the GM on that one, buddy. That's just just how it goes. That's the moon. Is that like real life? That's how long it lasts for werewolves? Yeah, so... (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Real life. (laughs) Is this nature's nature's actual duration? Let's call up David Attenborough. (laughs) Be like, hey, have you released your werewolf special yet? (laughs) You, like, pan out and you see David Attenborough, like, settling on the other side of Tonru's cage. (laughs) You can now see the werewolf having sat down in the cage. His rage is mighty, but he will not be there forever because inevitably all creatures must sleep. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I have some I have some scenes prepared that we can go through over the next couple of days. Assuming that you're staying. Are you guys going home right now or are you gonna stay? Peace. <laughs> no, I think we'll stay. We got some stuff to do and we can't we can't very well just be like, all right. Werewolf Tonrir, let's just fly to Vesper's house in this magic portal. I think we would want to wait until he is himself again. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so that means this night and then two more nights. You all just dropped Lena through the hoop. Did you want to send any information back to the capital? You know from context that once your 
sort of captive, goes through a hoop. Vesper immediately gets ready to open the portal from the other side. Just a, just a, a note flutters down that says she's a real beehole. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Ira will put P.S. Tanru's a werewolf now. <laughs> you all should have Tassier somewhere nearby. Oh, yeah. I guess we yeah, don't have wasn't, to send that. <laughs> wasn't Ira wearing... Tassier necklace. So, <laughs> yeah. Reva, Reva remembers the fact that Tonrir spoke to Tassier when we sent Iris through the hoop. And she actually... So Reva's not... She's not illiterate, but like she doesn't really enjoy writing stuff. It's not her strong suit. But she does remember that Tassier was used as a means of communication before. And so she like goes up to Ira and like kind of seeks out Tassier. Does she find him? I think Ira doesn't understand what you're doing at first. And it's just like, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hi, this is hey, this is sort that, of a this is a weird time to get extra close. Do you listen, should we you, talk you, first before do you still do you still have do you still have that snake? Oh God, I do. <laughs> I forgot all about it. You sound like you're trying to do a drug deal. Hey, you guys. Yeah, you got any snakes? <laughs> By the way, uh, Gideon, Ira, and Reva, you're all together now. Okay. And technically, Tondra's there too. <laughs> <laughs> so if Tessier makes an appearance, Reva's going to like hold out a hand. She's not, she's not very well versed in handling snakes. <laughs> But like she's also not that worried about it, so like she tries to pick up Tassier. Okay, he he lets that happen. Okay, I'm just imagining Riva, who doesn't really know, like is like, oh, I, I saw this snake get used as as a communication form. So it's like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> That's exactly what she does. She like lifts it up to her face and like. Is just looking at it and then and Tessier's then kind of like reaches a finger out and boops Tessier <laughs> on the nose. Tessier, this this red and orange viper <laughs> stares at you unblinking <laughs> with absolutely no idea what you're trying to do. As you go, is this thing on? <laughs> testing, testing. <laughs> and she's like, hello. <laughs> if you can hear me on the other end of this. We have to stay a little longer. All right, okay, okay. <laughs> Tassier's eyes glow. <laughs> just as Tassier's eyes did when Tonwer sent a message to the queen, and just as Tassier's eyes did when the queen sent a message to you, the line is open. Oh, okay. Uh, Thank you for calling in, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we have to stay a little bit longer. There's kind of a situation that we have to deal with. Uh... Okay, anyway, bye. <laughs> and then Tassier's eyes glow, and he says, I've been trying to reach you about your extended warranty. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Act now before this very limited deal disappears forever. <laughs> okay, all right. So you do that. I'm trying queen. to reach you about your portal's extended warranty. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop blathering into the mouth of my familiar... <laughs> He is not a phone. Don't think too much about that statement because phones don't exist. <laughs> the fuck is a phone? <laughs> anyway, message received. Don't do it again. Bye. <laughs> oh, wow. Stupid. Uh, okay, so you <laughs> you are granted time to stay. 
Did you say Tanner is a werewolf? I think she just said there's a situation. <laughs> I said there's a situation. Okay, all right. But I think Ira sent a note that said Tanner is a werewolf. It's getting hairy. Did you actually send that note? I don't think so, because I think I remember that Tasir was here. Okay, so no notes, only snake phone call. <laughs> snake phone. <laughs> okay, all right. So I think you all spend the rest of the evening camping out outside the bubble. Maybe you even use Gideon's tent. Oh, <gasps> I forgot. I had that. Yeah. <laughs> I can set it up real good now. Yes, you now have a good amount of practice, and I think you, you set up your tent. Are you proud? She she doesn't, like, display that she's she's proud of her accomplishment, but she kind of, after she puts it up, she just goes, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> so, as you're assumedly all bunking down? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of you might look up because you hear a flutter in a tree nearby, and you'll see Rulthuin has has perched nearby on a branch further up. And he's looking toward all of you and looking around you. Maybe he's looking for Tonmer. Oh, no. Not knowing what's exactly transpired. I think uh, Iroh was actually planning to bunk in a tree, so... He starts climbing a tree, and I think he sees Rolthween first. Yep. And kind of sees Rolthween's confusion or, like, you know, looking around and motions for Rolthween to come down to Ira. He'll, he'll get closer, but I think given everything that's happened tonight, he's very much on alert and trying to look for Tonrir. Because that big werewolf that's nearby is not Tonrir. Hmm. Is there anything of Tonrir's that, like, fell or that we picked up? Oh, like everything of Tonrir's Oh, like fell. all of his belongings, his clothes, everything. Yeah, all of his stuff is back in the pit. Oh, in the pit? We didn't grab it. You guys can. You got the backpack. We could have, like, circled back. I think it makes sense. You guys circle back and sort of collect his stuff really fast, because it's also all of his weapons mm. and, and the cloak of the cypress. Yep. I guess we could have retconned oh. that Gideon, since she was back there, could have scooped it. Okay. As you were going through and picking up his stuff, you found a silver throwing knife coated with potent poison that was used in the Queen's Court when the assassin tried to kill Queen Sephira. So now you can kill anyone at any time. (laughs) (laughs) The power is too much. It's an important item to keep track of, especially right now. So. Okay, yeah, Gideon probably just, after setting up the tent, she's probably stuffed all of Tonner's belongings into a corner of the tent to keep it safe. I think Eric comes in, like, grabs a piece of clothing of Tonner's after, like, seeing Rolthween, and then climbs back up the tree and kind of, like, throws it up to the tree branch that Rolthween was at. He'll probably peck at it for a brief moment, and then is still looking about. I do think Rolthween probably settles down. Like on on that fabric. Yeah, like perched on top of the mm. clothing. Yeah. Okay. So Ira and Rulthuin settle down close together. Gideon and Riva settle down in the tent. Pax, you know, who is still huge and now is wounded and is, is sort of licking their wounds, curls up around the tent protectively. And in the cage nearby, Tonrir rages on through the night. Now, Ira. It is time to address the cat dog in the room. <laughs> the moon is full. Your arm is deeply scratched and you were feeling feverish earlier. That wound was hurting. 
But as the night drew on, as that fight drew on, you recovered. You are not following the trajectory of someone infected with lycanthropy. The fever, the chills, the deadly sickness, you don't have them. You are fine. Because you were only scratched and you are not a werewolf. Phew. Woo! One is enough. (laughs) I agree. It would be bad if half the party became a werewolf. (laughs) A singular werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) And then we changed the name of the show to Oops All Werewolves. (laughs) Okay, so the next day you all make your way back into camp to find everyone more or less unscathed, though camp is trashed. You are all a bit worse for wear, and three out of four of you are going to walk out of this forest with scars you did not possess when you walked into it. Ira's upper arm has four long scratches. Gideon and Tonrir both have matching lightning strike scars, and Tonrir obviously has a huge werewolf bite scar along his torso. Riva has miraculously managed to take exactly zero hard hits the entire arc, (laughs) despite an incredible amount of bullshit, which I cannot fucking believe, but I guess she doesn't need to heal a thing. Despite literally running at two werewolves. (laughs) (laughs) So I assume you you extricate Tonrir from his cage in the morning when he is back to appearing himself. No. No, they're just going to leave me there. That no, silence. No, we're just going to leave him in there. Yeah, that silence said everything. We're all thinking. Um, so so do, do the werewolves turn back into human form in the morning? They do. Yeah, okay. You can use context clues and your interactions to understand that the guardians have the ability to shift at will, anytime. But most werewolves do not. Most werewolves, you know, they have no choice. They turn under the full moon and they cannot turn other times. They do not have that much control over their wolf. So yeah, I think it's morning. We all wake up, see that Tonrir is back to himself in the cage. Is is Tonrir conscious at this moment? Give me a constitution saving throw, Tonrir. Sure. Whether you are awake or not, you are going to be in very, very sad shape. Yep. And you're going to be very, very tired. Dirty 20. Okay. Yeah, you're awake. All right. So Tonrir is awake. At this point, maybe some point during the night, Rothweed saw that Tom Rib was in the cage and is now perched on top of the cage. Wait, half-elf Tom Rib, I should say. should clarify. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tom is awake, but he is... Do you just look beat to shit? He's not moving. He's... he's Tom Rib is making the conscious decision to not move because of how much everything aches. And I think, given everything that happened and the amount of stuff that he doesn't remember... If he glanced over and was able to see all of you there, okay, he was probably relieved from that, but he's probably a little bit distant right now, even if you were to approach. So I think that you guys all all managed to, to get Tonder out of that cage, even if he's not saying much, and you may have to actually help him walk back to camp because he is absolutely beat up. And I think now, Tonder, you you are feeling feverish. You are feeling sick. You have that first full moon sickness. And... Your team helps you back to camp, and Solus is there. And Solus also looks a little worse for wear. All the guardians do. You get the impression that they spent the evening trying to calm down the werewolves that were in the bubble to various levels of success. Lena got them really, really riled up. And in trying to protect probably Ning, probably the pups, and probably some of the werewolves from themselves, most of the guardians look very, very beat up. 
but they are all back in their humanoid forms this morning, and Solus focuses on healing all of you, mostly Tonmer. And as you all are doing this, Ira, a tall woman with jet black hair and just a huge number of bruises and scratches covering her body, approaches you with a very sheepish smile. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hey, um hey. Hi. Yeah. So hi. Um and she's like very nervously tucking her hair behind her ears. Um, hi. So I'm pretty sure that was me who scratched you last night. Oh. Oh, this? Or is it this? Uh-huh. Which arm? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Iris holding both his arms like, is it here? Is it here? Yeah, I'm I'm really sorry. Um, I was not feeling myself. You're not a werewolf, are you? No, no, it's it's totally okay. Uh I, I think everyone wasn't themselves yesterday. Uh it was it was quite a weird time for everyone. So I don't blame you. But yes, I'm fine. I am not a werewolf. I got sick. Uh, I felt a little weird yesterday, but I feel better today and I I didn't you know, I didn't hurt or, or anything. So I think I'm, I think I'm fine. It's, it's totally okay. What's your name? Uh, Gwen. I hope it helps that Harlow kicked just like my whole ass. It looks like <laughs> it. <laughs> Are you okay? I will be. Yeah, I'm fine. Um, and she like reaches out and like touches those scratches. Uh, I, I am sorry. Um, I'm not like a great healer, but can I, Take care of you a little. It would make me feel better. I, I understand you don't need it, but it would make me feel better. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Okay. So you spend some time with Gwen and Riva, Gideon. Any particular thing you guys are getting up to or just healing? You can help Tonner. Take care of Tonner. Tonner looks terrible. Gideon's not really the caretaking type. <laughs> she would probably be near Tonrier just for like... Yes, this is this is someone that I I know and and somewhat trust, so I will uh she's going to do the only thing she knows, which is to just be in his vicinity, hopefully that is of some comfort. <laughs> <laughs> if you're near him, I could just make Tonrier sleeping in recovery and he might wake up for a brief second, look over to see you and and briefly, while he's in that moment of lucidity, he's going to say, Gideon, is, is everyone else okay? She probably would have been, like, sitting near Tonrier and, like, writing in her journal or something. And she's just going to look up and say, yes, everyone's okay. You just, <sighs> you just get your rest. Okay. And he turns his head over and falls back asleep again. Okay, so Gideon is keeping watch over Tonru that first day. Yeah. I, I think Riva's just sort of flitting around. She'll, like, come in occasionally and, like, bring some food for both Tonru and Gideon and then go back out and is just sort of helping put the camp back together for the most part. Okay, cool. Yeah, and maybe you let the werewolf you trapped in that cage out of that cage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think it was a fella. And uh, and it's very funny. Like when you when you open that cage, you find just like a sweet dumpling of a man sitting in there, and he's like, "Hey, uh, oops, sorry. You good? You good? You're good? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no problem. Everything's cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Might be, might be. And <laughs> okay, cool. So that's, you know, the, the first day in camp passes pretty gently. Everybody is just healing, recovering, keeping an eyeball on Tonder. Now let's do some time skips around because we're just going to kind of try to quickly cover the next couple days before you leave. There is a moment that I want to do with Tonmer, which is during the second night. Does anyone want to go before that? I think that once Tonmer was kind of doing better and Gideon didn't feel that he needed constant company or supervision or whatever, she would go and find Solus to ask him where she could gather up some mushrooms. Yeah, so I think Solus directs you to that same area that you went to before with Pax, before the wild hunt. Oh, yeah, because we needed to, like, get a bunch of mushrooms. For the food. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you've done this before. And I think Solus, who is obviously very busy because a lot of people are very injured. Mm -hmm. So Solus actually sends Pax with you. Anybody else want to come along for this? Yeah, Reva will go with. Okay. All right. So Pax takes Gideon and Reva outside of camp and you see those mushrooms. They glow that faint orange on the bottom and they look a little bit like an umbrella caught in the wind, like an umbrella that's like pointing upward. And these mushrooms grow beneath the oldest trees. They don't grow near green ferns or young birch, but beneath the canopies of red oaks and maples. Those autumn leaves crunch beneath your feet as you move between patches of quisine mushrooms where they've been cultivated, just outside the enclave. Did I ever tell you guys that sometimes when I drive a certain route from work, there is a restaurant I drive by, and it's a barbecue restaurant, and it's called Cuisine, but it's spelled like Quisine, like Q-U-I. Really? Yeah. So I was like, what the? Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I, how, how can there be a restaurant called Quisine? But it's like a, a weird it's way of saying It's calming barbecue. <laughs> Stop there to soothe your ales and calm your resident werewolf. I'll have to take a picture sometime. Mm-hmm. That's funny. That's funny because it's a word that I just I just sort of like keyboard smashed yeah. into existence. I was like, there's no way they would have like named this after a barbecue restaurant. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Pax is following you two around and helping you collect it, making polite conversation and explaining how to grow more mushrooms for Tonrir if you want back at the capital. Yeah, Gideon's probably like analyzing the soil that they're growing out of and kind of thinking out loud, but thinking to herself, like, how am I going to get the conditions right in the capital to grow these on a large scale? I think that book that you have on temperate deciduous forests actually has a good amount of information about mushrooms generally. But Pax is like, yeah, so like mushrooms don't do seeds. It's like spores and the soil's got to be moist all the time and you need to establish a place for it to like Spawn. Is every mushroom word gross? <laughs> it kind of is. That's what makes mushrooms such a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna. That was that was great. <laughs> so, yeah, Gideon's probably picking mushrooms, but also referencing her book deciduous forest book and then making notes in her journal of the information Pax is telling her. Can Gideon draw? Yeah, why the fuck not? (laughs) I think you draw some very solid mushroom art. Do I need a roll for drawing? (laughs) I don't know that that's a stat, but sure. Performance, maybe. You you have a plus 10 modifier. You're very good at drawing mushrooms. Really? A plus 10? Uh Uh-huh. 
I'm not that great. What'd you get? 13. 13. <laughs> okay, they're okay. They they mostly look like uh, umbrellas that have been blown out by the wind. <laughs> Things are like a little awkward with Pax because, um, you know, it was a long night and there's a brief moment in which, like Pax knows that Lena told you everything. That they were an item? Uh, not that something. And that, yeah, I think that Pax had done some some terrible things and killed Auden's parents. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Riva's gonna wait for a lull in conversation, like when Pax isn't explaining mushroom science to Gideon. <laughs> Which is, it's hard to find that lull because Pax is nervous. So there's a lot of finger guns and a lot of mushrooms. <laughs> Are they just fucking blabbering? Yes, they're just kind of like blathering on because they're not really sure what else. So Riva's <laughs> waiting for a lull, and when she realizes there isn't going to be a lull, she just sort of like in her characteristic form just busts in <laughs> to this conversation. Kool-Aid man style. Um, and and she clears her throat and looks at Pax and goes, uh, hey, so um, yeah, hi, I was what? just wondering, yeah, uh-huh, um, yeah. does your kid, Auden, right, uh, does he, does he know? Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> that I, uh, <clears throat> Love mushrooms. <laughs> that I, uh, <laughs> that I, uh, killed his parents and turned him. Yeah, he knows. It took him a while to think it over, but, uh, when he did, he, he just told me what I always tell everybody. We're not our mistakes. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Smart kid. He's a pretty cool kid. Tonry might need to hear that a lot later. Just keep that in your book. <laughs> and he makes a sick werewolf. Fucking Reva over here just going like finger guns right back at you. Yeah. So Reva and Pax make deeply awkward finger guns for about <laughs> for a couple hours as you all collect mushrooms and sort of go over how to continue the mushroom cultivation. Ira has this like weird feeling that he's really glad that he's not with Pax and Reva. He doesn't know why. And since we're living in this awkward moment. Oh no. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Riva turns to Gideon next because something that Lena said earlier the night before kind of jumped out at her. And she says, um, did did Lena say you're a gray frost? Are you a gray frost? Like the gray frost? Gideon has been kind of tuning out the awkward Pax and Riva show <laughs> up until this point. And she's just been picking mushrooms and taking notes, and as soon as she hears this, she stops, literally mid-scribble in her journal. Doesn't turn around, but just stops mid-scribble and says, Yes? What do you know of the Grey Frosts? Uh, and, like, Reva's brain kind of breaks for a second because she's just like, I just, I, I tried to scan the Grey Frost. <laughs> And Gideon whirls around <laughs> to, to stare right at Riva. Uh, but I did apologize, so we're cool, right? Like, it's it's fine. Like, I'm not going to get in more trouble, right? You're not going to throw me in jail in silver scale. <laughs> Finger guns. 
So as you say that, a memory comes back to Gideon and she kind of furrows her brow and then looks right at Reva and says, Wait a minute. Were you trying to scam me? With that library promise? Maybe. (laughs) Gideon looks very angry and there's a little bit of cold fog coming out from her. Oh, God. (laughs) Does Pax see this? Pax looks between you two and does finger guns and walks backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Pax is like, I'm going to leave you two to this. Boy, these mushrooms sure look nice. (laughs) Now, to put things in perspective, Reva was in a mirror for 100 years. So the silver scale that Reva is familiar with is very different than the silver scale today. Mm -hmm. The silver scale that Reva was familiar with is a silver scale before the fall, before it was conquered, before it became part of Vire. And at that time when Reva was alive, Vire was actually kind of a nothing nation. Vire was was rapidly becoming a something nation because the House of Fane had already taken over, but it was still small. It was not expanded the way it is today, and Silverscale actually maybe had more of a name than Vire did at the time. Yeah, in this moment, Riva is looking more scared of Gideon's wrath than like at any <laughs> other point during this <laughs> entire wild hunt. And she she takes like a step back and is like, but but I I didn't know. I didn't know at the time. You never said you you never said you were a gray frost. It never came up. And I am sorry. Please don't turn me into an icicle. <laughs> yeah, I think Reva has just had the horrifying realization that not only is Gideon royalty, fallen royalty, but royalty. She's also a fucking dragon. <laughs> oh, so Reva was aware of that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that at the time, like at Silverscale's peak, the Grey Frost were quite like it was a very well known kind of thing, notorious for being like a family of draconic sorcerers. Yeah, of people who were descended from literally an ice dragon. There's like an internal struggle happening within Gideon. Like, there's a lot of the cold fog coming off of her. She's clearly furious, and she she is looking at Riva and trying to clench clench her own hands to like rein it back in and looks at Riva with a very, it's a very intimidating face, but there's also like, you can see a little bit of a hurt behind it. And she just says, would you knowing that I was a gray frost have made any difference? Would you have tried to scam me either way? Uh, no, (laughs) I would not have because y'all are scary. (laughs) Pax, like, slowly their head peeks around a tree and goes, is Gideon a princess or something? Am I I missing some stuff? (laughs) I think, I mean, I think so, right? I I mean, I guess I don't really know what, how you all handle your form of governance and and whatnot, but (laughs) she's just, like, babbling at this point. (laughs) Gideon's anger reaches a peak, and her claws spring forward, and she... Oh, God. (laughs) Reva hides behind Pax. She swipes at a nearby tree, and, like, her claws dig into the tree before they recede back into her regular fingers, and she takes a few calming breaths. You see Pax and Reva, like, one head on top of the other behind a tree. (laughs) (laughs) I am appropriately intimidated. (laughs) (laughs) 
And Gideon just takes a couple more breaths, grabs a few more mushrooms, and then turns on her heel and walks back towards camp. Well, Silver, what? What happened? What? What the <laughs> fuck? Was that a thing? I've never heard of that thing. You've never heard of Silver Scale? <laughs> no, man. What is it? You know, like the great nation of Silver Scale? There is no nation called Silver Scale. Not anymore. What are you talking about? To Reva, this is the equivalent of like Pac saying there is no Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like a territory. Silver something. But it's just it's just a bunch of ice and mountains and shit. I don't know. Maybe you've been in these woods for too long. <laughs> it's not the fact that I've been in a mirror. It's the fact that you've been in these woods. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we both need to get out more, huh? <laughs> I think Pax gives you a noogie. <laughs> you guys are so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and then the scene ends. Oh my God. Wow. Such power I wield. Hey, this is Dre Silvertooth, and thank you for listening to episode 46 of Bad Heroes, part 21, and the finale of the Wild Hunt arc. This final episode in Sanguine Silvis and Sosalia is a bit of a love letter to this arc. And God, I am so proud of how this chapter of our story turned out. I hope you are half as in love with it as I am. We have two new patrons I want to give a warm welcome to, Claire and Heidi. Thank you so much for your support. It is genuinely so meaningful to me, to the cast. I have no third thing to say, but to us. <laughs> it is genuinely so meaningful to us. Thank you. If you have been enjoying our show and you are thinking about becoming a patron, now is a great time because we have a little over a week left of a special deal we're running. All new patrons who join at any level will receive an extremely cute Bad Heroes-themed sticker sheet. You can sign up at patreon.com slash badheroes for as little as $2 a month and unlock a ton of behind-the-scenes goodies, outtakes, early access to art, and monthly game nights with the cast. Also, you will be directly supporting us, putting the time, energy, and heart into the show that we do. Speaking of the time and energy we put into the show, <laughs> we are going to take a brief hiatus between this finale episode and the next Vire interlude. We will pause Patreon payments until episode releases resume, but Patreon bonuses like game nights on our Discord will continue through the hiatus. Thank you in advance for understanding. I need a minute to catch my breath. I promise what's to come will be worth it. Come check us out on social media. We are at Bad Heroes Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, though we post the most by far on Twitter. If you do use Twitter and you want to talk about this episode, use the hashtag Bad Heroes Spoilers to share your thoughts. We can also be emailed at badheroescast at gmail.com. I want to share a quick reminder that you can find content warnings for this and all new episodes at badheroescast.com slash content warnings. 
we have a shop that I feel like I don't mention enough. It is shop.badheroescast.com. We are still preparing for the Wild Hunt merch drop, but before then, why not go check out our designs from the first arc? There is a design for Undead Adventures in Romance. That's right, I drew two skeletons in love, and it honestly looks awesome. <laughs> Music in this episode is Midnight Tale and Darkest Child by Kevin MacLeod. Labyrinth, Now You Are Here, and Fog by Sergei Chermisyanov. Smoldering, Seeker, and Mercy by Kai Angle. And, as always, our theme is Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you to our sponsors at Roll20. Roll20 lets you use virtual tabletops to create that around-the-table feeling with people, no matter where they are. That is all for now. Enjoy the rest of the finale, and I will see you after the hiatus. I think we need to do a Tonmer scene. Coolness. I have some narrative prepared about how this whole experience is going for you. This is going to be just a way to kind of get a broad strokes feel for how this is going. Yep. And then we'll do a, a real time scene with you in PAX. Okay. Okay. So, Tonmer, you have survived being infected with the werewolf's curse. And now you have to spend the next two nights living with the consequences. Like we talked about in that moment when you first shifted. There's this feeling now that there is something new behind your eyes. And it's not just there when you're in your werewolf form. Though that's when it's the most present, when it takes over. It's there all the time. You felt something similar when you were a bear. Like there were two sides to you. The person and the animal both vying for the wheel. It's like that. The weight of that struggle. Only now you don't get to shift back. Now, this is a weight you can never put down. You only remember bits and pieces of your first shift. Of facing down Lena, of your interactions with Pax and your friends. You know that during that first shift, you did not end up hurting anyone. Anyone except Pax. But now, you have to live the rest of your life knowing that you might. That it would be so easy to make a mistake that ruins or ends someone else's life. And I think the weight of that realization sits heavy on you for the next few days, when you're present enough to feel it. The day after the fight, you are too exhausted to do much except rest. And when evening comes, you are locked up. But you're not alone. Pax spends a lot of time with you that day and is there for you in the evening if you will allow it. Sure. Who comes to visit Tonmer in the evening, spends time with him besides Pax? Gideon will. She's still... Is this after? Yeah, that would be after your your Reva conversation. Yeah. Okay, Gideon will because she's still upset, and just being near Tonrir is 
helpful to her, even if she doesn't necessarily talk to him. Okay. Of the tidbits that Tom Ray remembers, did he remember Lena going through the hoop? Yeah, I think that is important enough that that was sort of seared into your mind. If Gideon's nearby, as he's gathering his strength, he still talks really softly. And he looks over to Gideon and says, uh, I hope that sending Lena through the hoop was the right choice. Because we also sent Iris through that same hoop. Gideon looks over at Tonrir and says, When we sent Iris through, you made the queen promise through Tassir to essentially pardon her. Nothing like that was sent with Lena. Yes. But we might have put Lena right next to Iris. That trails out, and he's probably working on falling asleep again unless you say anything else. Now nah, Gideon's just going to kind of quietly ponder that. Okay. As well as the other things going through her mind. Tonner, what is your relationship like with Quisine so far? Is it a tool that you want to use? Tonner definitely wants to have it on hand. Given what Tonner is feeling now, there's probably moments where he's asleep, but his heart's probably pounding and racing a little bit because of this new thing that's alongside him in his mind, in his thoughts. And he might jolt awake when it does happen. But in those moments, he's probably thankful that such a thing like quiescent exists. Okay. Yeah. And I think it helps. I think it does help. And I think Pax provides some for you before the sun fully goes down. And on that second night, the shift comes more slowly as the moon rises in the sky. And the only one able to be really physically close to you safely is Pax. The only one who is able to be right outside that cage with you. Gideon, if you're there, you're just like a little farther away for your own safety. Mm -hmm. And in the hours leading up to sunset, you aren't sleeping anymore because you feel irritable angry, even, in sudden bursts that you can scarcely explain or control. But when you snap, Pax never takes the bait. They're just patient and reassuring, and when you need space, they are silent, and you get the impression that they do this a lot with new werewolves. And they tell you that the shift is different for everyone. There is a moment during every full moon just a second where the moon is at its most full where the sun lights it up completely from the other side of the planet and it is a perfect circle in the sky and that's the moment I want to look at with you because it is the most intense moment of the full moon for a werewolf it has been hours since your second ever transformation that reshaping of your bones and that miserably painful growth of your body and you are in whatever you are feeling very deep. What is going on? If anything, Tonmer was probably just looking for something to bite down on as this was happening. 
the gnashing of teeth was probably very apparent as he was even a little bit howling in between each of these pushes into the transformation. And as that happens, in those brief moments where his face is still readable, he almost looks apologetic. And it's probably because Gideon is around because he doesn't know what exactly is going to happen in the future with this. Is he, what's his level of speech before transformation, like, or during? None. Yeah. You got nothing. Okay. Yeah. No speech for you. Unfortunately, you get the impression that learned speech while shifted is a heavily practiced thing, just like being able to control the shift and that most werewolves cannot do it. (laughs) You have been sitting in that werewolf form for hours. The shift was slow and happened as the sun went down, but you have now been in this for some time. Give me a constitution check to see how well your body is handling this, and then a will check to see how well your mind is handling it. Uh, Eight for the constitution. Ooh, bad. Not good. Yeah. 27 for the will. Okay. Okay. So I think a lot of the pain that you are feeling right now is physical. A lot of what hurts is your body. And it is obvious why. I mean, this is a miserable thing to go through. And I think understanding that you are going to have to go through this every month for the rest of your life is not a pleasant thought. But Pax does reassure you that it it will get better. It will. Your will saving throw was really, really high. What do you think that manifests as? He's focusing on one thing and one thing alone. When his body is allowing him to, he is riding on the ground in Elvish. The sun and the moon still move through the sky, and I am not alone. And he's writing that as often as he can, that entire mantra, when his body allows him to, when those moments of clarity allow him to. And that's the only thing that he is focusing on at the moment. Awesome. Yeah, I think you find that very grounding. And you find that very mentally grounding. You are doing okay mentally, but the amount of pain that you are experiencing in your body is starting to get very, very high as the moon reaches its sort of apex in the sky. And that feeling of that creature inside you is as strong as it will ever be. And as you are experiencing what is a terrible pain, what is a a terrible, miserable pain where you feel weak and shaky and also everything hurts and also somehow you also want to rip everything around you apart, and how can all of those things exist at once, but they do? As you are experiencing this, this horrible feeling, Pax speaks to you through the bars. And Pax says, I know this feels impossible. There's this feeling right now that you could not possibly pull through this. Because a life like this isn't worth living. Because this is misery. But you have to. You can't give up. There is no one else like you. The world needs you. Keep fighting. Tom looks up at Pax 
his ears attentive toward Pax. All of that physical pain is so present. And the words that they speak pierce through for just a moment. Through all of that chaos. Tanrir tries to nod. You are not alone in this. Roll your constitution save again. 22. Okay. You do a lot better, and you make it through that first night. And in the morning, once again, you are tired, but you are more present. You feel better than you did the morning before. And... When you wake up, I think Pax and Gideon are both there. Tonmer's eyes open up, but now that he has the wherewithal to speak again, he calls out to Gideon once more and he says, Gideon, I, I am so sorry for what danger I put you all in. Because I didn't expect to make it. And I will never do that again. I will never be that reckless. The good news is you can only catch lycanthropy once. <laughs> Fair. Gideon's like, reckless is my middle name. True. Yeah, why are you apologizing yeah. to her? <laughs> Look at the shit she's got you in. <laughs> Gideon kind of chuckles to herself because she's thinking of all the bullshit that she's put everyone else into and herself. But she looks at Tonmir and she just nods and says, there's nothing to apologize for. I want you to know that I consider you my close friend. I want to see you Get your kingdom back. I want to see things for the others, too. But we're in it now. Much like the queen said, we're in it now. There is no option but forward. And Gideon kind of glances around a little bit. And just double-checking, Tessier is still with Ira. Mm-hmm. Okay. And looks right back at Tonrir and says... I believe I want that too. And I want you to find whatever it is that will give you peace. But more than anything, I want to see Severa fall. Tonrar takes a deep breath and sighs. And then he looks over at Gideon, meeting her gaze. Eventually all trees must.
as you are all entering into your second day of camp, Ira, is there anything you want to do or anyone you want to see? Yes, Ira would like to see Solus. Okay. By the time it's the second day, Solus's healing duties have calmed down, and you actually find him with his feet up on his alchemy table and his arms crossed across his chest and his eyes drooping in tiredness. I think Ira sees Solus like this from afar and like slowly creeps up and kind of plops down next to Solus and says, Hey man, what's up? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh hey. Hey little buddy. Oh sorry sorry, did I wake you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think that much is obvious using like context clues. Oh, what's up, man? <laughs> I just uh wanted to you know, come by and 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 see you. Um, I think we're we're leaving pretty soon, and in the next day or so. So I just wanted to to stop by and say hello and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I hope it's not like forever goodbye. I'm sure I'll be back. Hey, uh, uh, I made something for you. What? You've already done so much for me. Ah, yeah. Well, what are friends for? And pulls out a little linen bag. And when you open it up, you see a recipe and a series of instructions. Not just instructions for actually creating a tea, but instructions for growing the contents. And then he hands you another bag that just seems to be stuffed full of tea bags. And he says, <laughs> yeah, so like um, I packed you like a metric ton of pre-prepared tea, but just. Holy crap. Yeah, but like just in case. <laughs> Here is what you need to grow the ingredients yourself and, and how to mix it. It's, it's only been a few days, but you already look different. You look happier. I am happier. Thank you. So I don't know how to. I don't know how to express how much I appreciate. What you've done for me and how you've changed my life for the absolute better. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for this. So I can do this on my own and I don't have to worry about running out or, but this doesn't mean I won't be back. Yeah, you better be back. I give you all my secrets. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, it's no big deal. Ning did it for me. And maybe someday you'll find somebody else that needs help too. Hey, uh, I got to go check on Ivan and his moms. uh, See if they need anything you want to go. Yeah, can I go with you? Yeah, for sure. I could turn into a werewolf, but honestly, I'm exhausted. Do you mind if we walk? Yeah, let's just walk. If they find Ivan's horse, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> what happened to the horse? <laughs> <laughs> so as you're passing through the forest, you pass by oaks and maples and elms, all deep in the throes of autumn. And that dappled light falls down on the two of you. And it is a very beautiful, peaceful sight. Give me a perception check. I have to just say, every time that it comes up like this, it takes me by surprise. And you said it, and I was like, it's only been a few days. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> because uh, I know. in real life, it's been a solid year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 25. 25. Okay. Yeah. So as you all are walking along the path, you... You hear something off the path to the right. You hear like a soft snorting noise. Ira kind of stops in his tracks and, and puts a hand up 
to stop Solus and says, do you, do you hear that? It's like a, I don't know, what is that? I think you and Solus wander off the path towards the sound. And what you find is Ivan's roan horse, looking a little worse for the wear from the fight at camp and grazing in the forest. All majestic and shit. Super majestic and shit. <laughs> uh, do you think we should bring them back? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I bet somebody's missing this horse. Nice. All right, so you lead this horse back to camp, yeah? Back to camp? I thought we were taking it to Ida. To, to Sosalia. <laughs> yes, yeah, Solus and Ira ride off into the distance <laughs> to, towards the village <laughs> on this majestic as shit horse. <laughs> <laughs> wow and there's just like the scene of like iris short cat hair blowing in the wind my goodness <laughs> just like smiling solace has long beautiful like blonde elder hair, hair that's just like flowing <laughs> behind him as you get oh my there. gosh iris behind solace and big spoon in it for like <laughs> like the first second He's just like enjoying it and like, you know, hair blowing in the wind. And then he gets a mouthful of blonde hair and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> What's amazing is the horse isn't even going that fast. Yeah. The horse is just walking. The horse is, walking. <laughs> the horse is actually still grazing. And just on top of <laughs> this is also what doing anything with me is like. You just eat my hair over and over and over again because you're so much of it. <laughs> So eventually, through some means, you reach Sosalia. It looks like that same sleepy town, and you enter the Covenant Inn. And in the Covenant Inn, things are once again as they should be. You walk into that familiar, cozy, three-story inn, and a fire crackles in the hearth at the far side of the common room, where Ari and Aelin are playing cards. And behind the bar, you see Ephra cleaning a glass. Her long, flaming hair once again wound into a braid at her back. And when Ephra sees you, she smiles a little bit and says, Well, if it isn't the conquering heroes, sit down. What can I get you? A warm milk, please. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she provides a warm milk for you and a midday whiskey for Solus, who has <laughs> who has had a hell of a week. And she actually sits down at the bar across from you. How's Ivan doing? Well, three days of the month, my son, whose fur matches his hair, is now literally a flaming werewolf. That's pretty fucking cool. It's pretty cool, but it's, I mean, as a parent, you have to understand it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he was a handful before. I can't imagine now. You're telling me. <laughs> but if Ning is to be believed, and she usually is, this could have broken a lot worse. Thank you for your help. The way I hear it, not only did you bring my son back to me yourself, but you and your friends also fought a pack of werewolves to keep Sosalia safe. We owe you a debt. A great debt. You are welcome here anytime for as long as you like. And if we can ever do you a favor, you know where to find me. Nice. You, you don't owe us anything, but I do appreciate the open door. I definitely think we'll be back, hopefully, for pleasure next time, not business. 
in the in the corner, Ari like spins and starts wiggling their eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Ivan emerges with Drew and his little sister in tow, and the hair on the top of his head is burning bright as he approaches you. And he walks right up to you and grabs you by the pants. Hey, little man. I, uh, I, I brought something back to town that I think you might be missing. I know that they miss you a lot. I think his eyes just get huge. What do you think I'm talking about? Is it dandelion? <laughs> you mean a horse dandelion? <laughs> yes, it's dandelion. Oh my God. Okay, well, like a fireball, he is out the front door, and he <laughs> is just like, this kid is just latched onto this horse's leg, and Drew comes up and hands you back your hammock and your vest that you wrapped Ivan in, and they're both clean now. Thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, no problem. I'm glad that we were there to, to bring him back. But I'm sorry it happened. It could have all been avoided. Ever says, Yeah, most terrible things can be avoided. But there's no use worrying about it after the fact. What's done is done. He'll be alright. This is the best place in the world to be a werewolf. Ain't that the truth? Probably around the same time Ira and Solus had gone to the Covenant Inn, Riva finds herself heading back to Sosalia to finish some business. She hadn't traveled with them. It was just sort of coincidentally she had also decided to head into town that day. So while Ira and Solus are speaking with Ephra, Riva is across the street at the general store. You see Smudge's general store, and displayed in that window, you see once again that glittering blue beetle in the center of a sticky-looking amber-colored substance. And the sign beside it reads, How many licks does it take to get to the center of this crystal with a bug in it? Find out, and I will give you 20 gold for the undamaged bug. It is expensive. Please don't eat it. So Riva walks into the shop kind of knocks on the on the doorframe and she goes, knock, knock, I'm back. <laughs> Smudge opens up the shop to you, says, uh, hey, it's you. How you doing? Hey, you ready to buy? You ready to buy? Remember? I'm actually, and she points at the beetle. She's like, I'm here to... I'm here to take the beetle challenge. <laughs> I am here... To complete your destiny. To liberate this beetle in exchange <laughs> for gold. And complete your destiny. And he, gra- he grabs the beetle and hands it to you. It is sticky. It's a large beetle. You're going to have to put this whole thing, beetle and all, in your mouth. She puts the whole thing in her mouth. Constitution saving throw. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> that is a... That is a 19. You die. <laughs> you, you fucking die. I choke to death. You know, you fought all these werewolves, and shockingly, that was fine, but this is what does you in. 
Okay, yeah, it's not pleasant, but you managed to lick the rock, the sticky rock. It's not sweet. It's kind of bitter. And you managed to remove it from this beetle, which then you stick out your tongue, and there's the beetle. Oh, no. She goes, Pleh. This is horrific, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> okay, you spit out this beetle. Smudge catches it. It plops out, yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. It's the worst. He takes this beetle. It's like glittering. It almost looks like a jewel, like a gem. And he slaps 15 gold into your hand. <gasps> now, and she's like counting. I'm not the best at math, but... He's like I rewriting the sign in the background to say 15. Short five. Now, hold, hold on. You're missing five gold pieces here. Ah, okay, all right, okay. What's a little five gold between friends? And hands you five gold. And then Under's best like, is going to sell for way more than five gold. This person is a chump. I was going to say, I, I wonder if Reva's going to hold the beetle hostage for more gold. <laughs> he, he runs inside yeah. with his beetle before you, can, <laughs> before you can change your mind. Reva pockets the gold, and she has one more stop to make. Okay. She walks down that, like, main path through the village until she reaches... The very good blacksmith. <laughs> you got some amends to make, huh? You you see the owner of the very good blacksmith, Owen, sitting outside his shop in his rocking chair. And his big round belly and his bushy mustache both twitch when he sees you. She waves from the street. Hey, nice day, huh? Well, if it isn't little Miss Tentacles. <laughs> Well, what a nickname. <laughs> Listen, uh, I just wanted to say I'm sorry for what happened the other day in your shop. I'm sure you understand it was like kind of like desperate times call for desperate measures kind of thing. But I did feel bad because of how scared you got. And and that did make me feel bad. Like, yeah, you, you screamed so loud. I had screamed that hard since the first time I saw a werewolf. Big son of a gun under the full moon, tipping over my trash can. Turned out to be a dog. <laughs> and she presses on and says, um, uh, anyway, Let me I... tell you about that dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to see if you were okay. And also, you got any knives for sale? Yeah, I, you know, holding a grudge is bad for the blood pressure. So all's well that ends well. And I think he shows you a collection of knives, all beautifully crafted. Yeah, Riva looks over the knives and picks one that's probably got like fancily carved handle or something. Yeah, it has like uh, it has like Celtic knotwork in it. Cool. How much for this one? Eh, you can keep it. Really? Yeah. That's kind of what happens when you do nice stuff. Okay, but no, so I, but I was so, but I was so mean to you. She's digging through her pockets and no, she, hey. she nope. pulls a copper, nope. a, a very old looking copper nope. coin. Nope. And she's like, <laughs> now, okay, but so this is a rare coin. And so you gave me a gift. You gifted me this knife. I'm now gifting you this rare coin that's like pretty old. And anyway, she leaves it on the counter. Okay. She's she's like, ask Smudge about it, and, and, and leaves. What is the coin? 
It's a coin that's like at least 100 years old. Oh, from it's a... It is not being minted anymore. Okay, so it is one of the coins from before the Rise of Fame. So it has like the old Crest of Fire. Of course, all that money is gone now, has been destroyed. Except for you, because it was in your mirror. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like most things from before the House of Fame, mm-hmm. it is now rare and illegal. <laughs> yeah, I think I think as you leave, he says, uh, good luck out there, little hero. <laughs> this is a very weird feeling for Riva. This is maybe the first time in your life you've ever been called a hero. Yeah. She doesn't know what to do with that. As you finish out the second day, you lead into the third night, the last night of the full moon. And Tonrir, the third night for you is much the same as the second. It passes agonizingly slowly, but at the end of it, the truth is you don't remember much. Just like the body does not remember pain, it is very challenging for you to remember your time as a werewolf. But you do remember Pax being with you. You do remember Gideon being with you. And you do know that you pull through. And I think you feel an incredible amount of relief when you wake up on the third morning and realize that you don't have to do this again for a whole month. Now that Tonmer is done shifting, you are able to go home. Is there anything else that anyone wants to do in Sosalia and Sanguine Silvis before you leave? Yes. I would like to have Tonmer talk with Ning. Okay. So you actually have not seen Ning. You've not seen Ning over these last couple days, and you have not really been in any state to seek her out. Where do you look for her? The first place that makes sense is Ning's hovel. <laughs> so he'll stop by there. It's a lovely home, okay? It hovel? is not a hovel. <laughs> <laughs> I always associate hovel with like a warm, quaint, small place. Oh, let me search. A small, squalid, unpleasant, unpleasant. or simply <laughs> constructed dwelling. I mean, it is simply constructed. That part is, is true. Or a historical definition is a conical building enclosing a kiln. Huh. <laughs> I mean, not a kiln. <laughs> we do haven't talked about this in a while, but the houses in Sanguine Silvis are made of living trees, which is pretty, pretty cool. There's a series of birches that are all like growing close together and are woven with vines. I don't think... You should try to make a kiln in one of those. No. There there is a fire, but it's in the very middle of the room. Kind of like a kind of like when you play Valheim. As long as you have a say, hole this in is the like room. Valheim. Yeah. yeah, don't seal that hole at the top. You will die. You will die of okay. smoke inhalation. Yep. Ning's hut. Ning's yes, Ning's little house. <gasps> no, it was called Ning's Nook. Ning's Nook. When I That's labeled right. it. You go yes. into Ning's Nook and uh you pass under that door frame that has all the knives nailed into it and you find Ning 
much the same way you found her when you first met, sitting beside the fire inside her house. But this time, without Lena, she sits alone. I guess there's a somewhat critical question I should address. Uh, what is Tonru wearing? <laughs> <laughs> so your clothes were basically wrecked. I think Pax actually like tried to outfit you with some pants, like tried to give you a pair of their pants if you're into that. Mm-hmm. They have that loose feel where they have like kind of an elastic band at the top that you get the impression will stretch around your beautiful werewolf body and then elastic bands at the ankles and then everything in between is like very big and flowy. Mm-hmm. So Tom Rare is probably just sporting that. And as he enters into the nook. Wait. Hmm? What color are your pants? What color are your pants? Very important question. <laughs> Super important. Um, are your tattoos blue? No, you're blue. You're blue. I'm blue. Tattoos are just a darker, darker color. Okay. Yeah, actually, I can't remember. I don't remember. But you're blue. Yeah. And you have tattoos. And by the way, now your tattoos are all out. I mean, not all of them. I think they're everywhere. But um, yeah, except for the pants, for the pantaloons, the booty tattoos. Yeah. You have a peach tattooed on your butt. <laughs> and. <laughs> It's canon and lore. Oh no! <laughs> you, uh, for most of your tattoos, your your sort of druidic runes are visible now. It's a whole new look for you. A giant werewolf bite on your torso, tattoos out. I mean, when we first saw you, you did not even have your face out. You had a hood up all the time, <laughs> and you are now naked from the waist up and barefoot. I assume. Yep. Yep. And also sporting lightning marks. Yeah, you have those Lichtenberg. Line yep. scars, so does Gideon. So he enters the nook, and Rothwein will fly under the arch of the doorway and settle on what is nearby. And as he approaches Ning, his mouth opens, but he's he's not sure what to say. Ning's gnarled wooden cane leans against her leg, a leg which you now notice is wrapped in fresh bandages, an injury probably sustained during that night. And those two long scars that cross her face over one missing eye are particularly noticeable in the firelight today. Her remaining golden eye settles on you, and for the first time ever, you can see that she looks very tired. And she says, Tanvir, come in. Ning, I'm hoping you're recovering from your wounds, okay? I'm fine. Tanvir nods his head. Ning, I'm, I'm sorry for what has happened. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. And she stares to look into the fire for a while, and I think some moments pass. Do you sit? Yeah, Tom Rer will make his way over and sit with one knee up and the other leg resting on the on the ground. And he also joins Ning staring into the fire. Some time passes, and eventually she says... Somewhere along the way, I failed my daughter. She learned to be clever, 
it is far more important to be kind. Exile is the best fate Lena can hope for now. All of Sosalia and Sanguine Silvis will want her head, and I can't blame them. This was no accident. This was no act of passion. She premeditated this. She believed in this. Let the queen have her. Not even I can protect her now. Tonrir goes to reach up to rub Ning's back reassuringly. And he finally averts his gaze from the fire and looks toward Ning and he says, It's not your fault. What she did, it was her choice. You gave her amazing tools with which to work. You have given so many people here amazing tools, amazing opportunities. You've been able to give people here a choice. She does not represent what you tried to instill in her. Yes, the queen will have her. But this, and he gestures, motioning toward the camp. All of this is still standing because everything that you taught everybody else, especially your guardians, allowed this to stay. In part, it's here because of you, too. Thank you. I'm sure you've heard that a lot. Tonrir, is there anything I can do for you before you leave? Tonrir almost starts to shake his head, but then his eyebrows shoot up for a second before he remembers something. And he looks back toward Ning and he says, Actually, do you... <laughs> Would you know about the Erdunathal? I think she looks at you silently for a moment, almost as if she's trying to decide whether to show you that she does know. But eventually, she nods, and, and you can tell she knows exactly what you're talking about. The great druidic artifact. Yes, I know about it. Capable of lending great power. Yes. I, I've been seeking it out for so long. You and many others, I'm afraid. What do you know? May I look through your memories? He, as always, seems reticent just because it's reliving his own memories too, but eventually he acquiesces and nods. She reaches out to cup your face and she tips your head so that your foreheads are together. And sure enough, you do see your memories. Some of them move very quickly and then some of them slow down. 
what do you think are a couple memories from when you were younger that slowed down? Just just quick images. Possibly the first memories of just being in the village Rultuin, for which his owl is named after. And maybe some interactions with some of the kids. Maybe some of the tutoring with Seni. There might have been a stop around when he woke up suddenly one night. And there were all of the villagers looking in and some of his closer companions around his bed where he had just woken up and he wasn't sure of what was going on. But Senny tried to reassure him that he should just go back to sleep. The weeks following and then perhaps when he finally went out to go learn how to shape wood. Yeah, you see a lot of your caretaker, Senny, I think. And you see your home. And then, unfortunately, you see that time when you watched it burn. And you see the time that follows. And Ning tries to go quickly through that part for your sake. And you see several other memories. You see your time in Vire. You see your introduction with the queen. You see some interactions with your teammates. You see Gideon and Riva and Ira. And you also remember Wingatha. You see all of these things. And then you see your time in the capital. You see your time with Silen. You see that conversation where you and Silen talked about the Eredur Nathal. That part slows down. That part goes very, very slowly. In fact, in some places it goes past and then comes back as if she's watching it again. And you see that scenery in the garden of the capital. You see all of the beautiful green. You see that lovely statue. You see that place that became very familiar and dear to you. And Ning eventually tips her head back and smiles at you. I wouldn't worry if I were you. I have a feeling that it will be there for you when you are ready. Tonner tilts his head, seeing it as a bit cryptic, but understanding that there is intention behind the words that she's saying. He takes a deep breath and then sighs out. Understanding that's also the only answer that he's going to get from her. She reaches out and pats her shoulder and says, Your time would be best spent growing, so that if the time comes, you can wield it. Especially now, with this curse. To wield something like a great druidic artifact, you must first learn to wield the weapon you yourself have become. Tonrer slowly nods after a few moments and looks back up at Ning. And he says, I understand. He's going to take another deep breath and work on standing himself up because he also doesn't want to disturb her from the time that she's taking to process everything. Tonrer, before you leave, she reaches out a hand to to have you pause. <clears throat> I've made my home here a long time. Long enough to know that something changed in Vire when the House of Fane struck their deal with the devil. Something so strong it even warms the air. But this forest is older than the House of Fane and I see no reason its climate should change to match their whims. 
so I keep it cool. As it has always been. Such is my duty as a druid, I'm sure you understand. All this to say, be careful in the capital of Vire. Something is wrong there. Something unnatural. Something not of this world. Tonmere nods, considering her words. There are many things that are not natural anymore. And I feel that is at the very seat of it. I will be careful. And thank you for everything that you have done for me, for us. I do hope that we may cross paths again. You will always have a home in Sanguine Silvis, Tonmer. When you are done with the Queen, with the capital, I hope you'll consider returning and becoming part of our pack. We take care of each other. No one should have to face something like this alone. I will. I will come back. Our streams shall meet in the Great River once more. Ning nods. And then she leans back so that she can see outside the door. What does she see the three of you doing? The three coconuts out there. <laughs> I had like a, a moment where I just imagined us like throwing quizine in the air and catching it with our, our mouths and like we were throwing it at each other. <laughs> you and Reva, baby, yes. <laughs> Gideon's probably analyzing some of the mushrooms that she collected that she's planning to cultivate back in fire. I think Solus is is letting you use his lab. And I think as Ning looks out, Ira and Reva are doing this ridiculous mushroom mouth catch thing that people do with popcorn. Reva's like <laughs> juggling mushrooms and like chucking them under her leg and like arcing it towards Ira. <laughs> Gideon drops a piece of a mushroom into a vial and it instantly starts overflowing and spitting everywhere. And you and Solus scramble as this, this concoction starts spitting green goo. And is Ning like... However, they are not welcome back. Ding <laughs> 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 looks at Yutanra and says, No one should have to face something like this alone. But you're not alone, are you? I am among the forest with these friends. He stops for a second and goes, Oh. And when I get back to the capital, I'll make sure Iris is not alone either. So we should probably sit down with the packs and ask them what things they want us to bring back to Iris. Okay. All right. Yeah, so I think Pax helps you collect some of Iris's belongings. I think what you find in her tent is a lot of bows, some clothing, a couple little things that you're not really sure what they mean. There's a feather in there that's kept in a wooden box that feels like it may be important. There's another green cloak similar to the one that got destroyed. Okay. You pack all that up? Yep. I'll pack that up and I'll sling that over her shoulder. 
Okay. We've been in Sanguine Silva since Ocelia for a year. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? It's, it's only felt like a few days. <laughs> Fuck. so the third and last night of the full moon is followed by a beautiful autumn morning chilly in the shade but warm in the sunlight and after tonra speaks with ning it is on this morning that you assemble to go home pax and ning lead you out into the forest into a quiet grove where you can draw the sigils that make up your half of the portal do you do it who drew it? Ira did. Yeah. I think, it I think was, it's usually Ira. Yeah. Ira pulls out the scroll, looks at it to reference it, and then grabs a stick and draws the sigil. Okay. You all say your goodbyes to Ning and Pax. Pax tries to hug absolutely everybody, like really hard. Does, that, does everybody <laughs> put up with that? Nope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Pax goes at you, like with arms out, and then they go... Oh, yeah, right. Dragon princess. Princess dragon. Hey, handshake. (laughs) Gideon just shakes her head and goes, (sighs) and reaches out. And it's not like a firm handshake. She just kind of reaches out and like taps Pax's hand (laughs) with hers. (laughs) They give it a little squeeze and say, uh, hey, don't forget about the wolfie bag, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Gideon rolls her eyes and steps back towards the group. <laughs> Good. On bread. You all gather in the center of the sigils that Ira is drawing, and Ira finishes drawing the last one. And it doesn't light up right away. You get the impression that it will take a minute for Vesper to know to open it from his end. So as you stand in this portal and wait for a moment, something happens. One last thing happens right before Vesper opens the portal. Ira, you still have Tassir, right? Did Reva give Tassir back to me? Yeah, I gave it back. Okay. Did you guys like have an argument over who has to hold the snake now? No, I don't think so. (laughs) I think I took him back. Okay. Ira, the queen's snake Tassir emerges from where he was hiding, a shifting coil of yellow and orange scales, and looks at you sidelong through one speckled green eye the vertical pupil thin in the sunlight. And then he slowly opens his mouth to show you two long fangs, poised to strike. Tassir wants to bite you. Do you let him? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think he has a moment of terror because when a creature goes to bite you you know usually you pull away or don't let them so he kind of has like his eyes get wide and he rears back but then he remembers the time that Tessier bit Tonrir and it was helpful so he like puts up his other arm and says okay Ira do I turn into a snake? You turn into a snake, and you made it out without becoming a werewolf, but you're a snake now. You're, <laughs> you're a, a were-snake. You're a were-snake. Yeah. That'd be pretty sick, actually. Cat okay. snake. Would that just be a ferret? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ira. Tassir bites you. Ow. 
like he did to Tonru in Oberon's castle. And once again, Tassir passes on a memory. But this time, it isn't his. You are not a snake. Moving in coils along the ground, you are a person. You're walking through that great obsidian castle at the heart of Vyre's capital. Boots clicking on the hard floors, a dress swishing around your ankles. And then, Ira, you catch a glimpse of yourself in a smooth, reflective pillar of obsidian. You're Sephira, but she's younger, smaller, and she looks terrified. You watch through her eyes as she marches towards her mother's crown, her grandmother's crown, like a woman walking to the gallows. Zira, the fury with ashen black wings, waits beside the throne, holding the small silver crown, a series of small points and two sharp edges curled up like horns. You feel Safira take a deep breath, and you feel the cool metal touch her skin as she puts it on. And then you hear 10,000 whispering voices fill your head, louder even than your own scream as you fall to the floor. Body and mind crumpled under the crown's weight. And it is suffering like nothing you've ever felt. Pure agony. But your last thought, the last emotion that you feel that is not your own, Ira, is an overwhelming determination. Because this will not be the end of you. You will survive this. You have to. There is so much to do. And you're the last one left. Damn. Whoa. <laughs>